Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You ready to let the dogs out? What? What? <laughs> let the dogs out. You know, like, who let the dogs out? Who, who? Off the Hook, airing on offthehooksports.com. Your home for real news, real opinions, and what really matters about Tennessee athletics. Always available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, iHeart. Like, share, follow, subscribe. Always available wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Welcome to the program. We appreciate you and yours for being up and at them at 8.30 Eastern this morning from the West Coast, about 6.30. Miami time, still 8.30. Uh, Amanda and I got in a little bit of a confusion about that. Depends on the neighborhood, right, Amanda? Apparently. That's what, that's what you said. It's not. <laughs> I got my time confused. <clears throat> Sometimes a week away takes, I think, some brain cells. Um, and it, it may have done so. So thanks for getting on board and being on board. Hit that thumbs up button. We greatly appreciate that. It allows us to bring in more viewers, and we want to be interactive with you today because there is a lot to talk about. A column that will be posted on offthehooksports.com is a column that I think you'll enjoy. It's why uh, Nico Iamaleva very well could be the starter in 2023, that it's not like it used to be, that it's more settled, that there's more preparation. We'll get into that. Also, it looks like some transfer portal movement is already happening. And I have a feeling that Tennessee is going to get a commitment on Wednesday. I have a feeling that Tennessee will add to their commitment list on Wednesday. So we'll talk about him, Caleb. Jaro will join us. I've worked on his name. I've done a great job. Two Caleb's, Amanda, a partridge, and a pear tree. I'm Dave Hooker. And also a Clemson preview 
from a young man who covers Clemson for the Locked on Clemson podcast. So we'll get you ready for the bowl game, which is happening. Uh, there's so much talk about transfer portal, Amanda. Good morning. I hope you're doing well. Good morning. I'm good. Um, officially 12 weeks today. So Have we announced publicly? I didn't know we had done that. I think I did it on Friday, but I'm officially out of the woods today. So I am officially pregnant. Yeah, Amanda is with child. So congratulate her. And um, we are all uh, super excited. She has decided uh, to, to name the child a variation of Dave. No. Yes. What's the no. name? If it's a boy, what's it going to be? It is actually David Bennett, but that's yeah, because pretty close. My husband's name is David. Your name is not David. It's not. It's Davis. All right. Uh, Arthur saying, Dave, Amanda, Caleb, wishing you all a Merry Christmas holiday. You too as well. Uh, good morning, guys. Hey, Joey, appreciate it. Uh, Red Fair saying, Nico could be our Trevor Lawrence. But I would argue that Clemson held Trevor Lawrence back a little too much. Um, and should have played him quicker. So I don't think Tennessee's going to do that. I, I just, I, I really thought about it, and but we'll talk about that later. Caleb, it's funny how this transfer portal news really takes away from a bowl game. I was sitting down to do some work yesterday, and suddenly a bowl game pops up, and they're we're the only bowl game today. I'm like, yeah, it's Monday the 19th. I mean, why wouldn't you be? And, um, but the, the transfer portal, I think you want it to be news, Caleb, but I think the NFL is fantastic in the, the way they lay out their schedule. There's something almost every month. There's uh, reporting from the offseason. There's the draft. There's preseason camp. There's something. But it seems a little bit like the transfer portal is stomping all over bowl coverage. Would you agree with that? Yeah, Speaking of that bowl, I just want to brag on Amanda real quick because if you guys check out our bowl picks yesterday, I got Marshall covering and I hit the over. UConn scores on a 24-yard touchdown run in the last second. Meaningless touchdown. That hits the over 40. Just want to just wanted to brag on that real quick. It's great. Um, <laughs> Glad you have. Only Caleb and Amanda bring that sort of gambling knowledge to the show. You might be the only two people who bet on that game in the entire uh, and the entire day. There's a real possibility of that. They oh. didn't go to the school. Bowl games are the best games to bet on. Amanda will tell you that. They are so much fun to bet on bowl games. It's what makes them fun, honestly. <laughs> well, see, I've always thought the opposite because I don't – I've been to bowl games and covered them and thought this team doesn't want to be there or does want to be there. So it's almost like I have insider trading info. But – Amanda, most of these bowl games we don't cover, so we're not around the team. I could make an argument right now, not being around the team, that Clemson doesn't want to be there because they want to play for a national championship, and Tennessee doesn't want to be there because they were almost in the college football playoff. One of those is probably true. I've thought a lot about it. I think this could be a one-sided game. Maybe wrong, but I don't know which one it is. That's the tough part about bowl games for me. So bowl games, I factor in the backups because that's normally who's going to be playing, except for if you're Alabama and you have Will Anderson and Bryce Young playing in your bowl game. Um, which is strong, by the way. Yeah, which is is crazy, especially in this time, like this atmosphere of 
NIL and transfer and NFL and opting out and all that, that you're two star players who are going to go in the top, you know, of the draft are actually staying and playing in a, in a quote unquote meaningless bowl game. Um, but I look at the backup. So you have to look at who wants to play because maybe the starters are disappointed. Maybe, you know, everybody who worked so hard this season's disappointed, don't want to be there, but your backups have something to prove. So I look at that as to who is going to come out and play. Yeah. And if, if I wanted to, Caleb, I could look at the fact that Jalen Hyatt and Cedric Tillman aren't going to play as a sign that maybe the whole team doesn't want to be there. I think that's a little too simplistic in this situation because uh, Tillman, frankly, Tennessee's offense has been better without him. And he's had the ankle injury that he's dealt with, get that healed. Uh, I think you and I were both a little surprised by Jalen Hyatt. But again, you're reading into things that these are 18, 19, 20-year-old men. I think it's commendable that the Alabama players want to come back and play. I really do. And I I think it's commendable that a lot of those players come back. And I'm about to the point, Caleb, where I'm not there yet. But if NIL continues to grow, as I think it will, I'm to the point where it's part of your obligation to play. And I've almost come full circle on that. I was kind of like at first, who was the first? It was McCaffrey, right? Mm -hmm. McCaffrey was the first big one that didn't play in a bowl game. And I was like, good gracious, son. You know, Gary for Michigan. Same year, sorry. Big defensive guy. Yeah. And ironically, it was that year that the Michigan tight end, Butt was his last name. I don't remember his first name, but blew his knee. Jacob. Jacob Butt. Um, So I'm almost full circle, guys, where I'm like, it's your obligation to play. You should play in this game. Caleb, where do you where do you stand on that? Because these these guys are making nil dollars off the fans that support the programs that they played for. No, they're making nil dollars off the corporations and the businesses that decide to give them the nil money, and it's on the businesses and corporations to put that obligation. Their, their obligation at that point is to who's giving them the nil money, and so I, I actually don't agree. I think that, for instance, Jalen Hyatt opting out. I think it's good for everybody that Jalen Hyatt's opting out. I think it's good for Jalen Hyatt to focus on the draft, but I think it's good for Tennessee. Tennessee needs to know if Jalen Hyatt's not going to be back next year and you're Tennessee, wouldn't you rather these bowl practices be able to get like squirrel right more first team reps so you can figure out what, what he's doing and how well he's playing. If you're giving me the choice between scoring 50, I wish I'm so over that saying, on Clemson and having a big day to help in recruiting or playing my younger guys, I'm going to pity. It depends on the younger guys, though. Like, okay, let me give you, like Darnell Wright. Yeah, you'd rather him play because there's nobody behind Darnell Wright really that can stand in at right tackle. Jalen Hyatt, I, I, I think this offense has proven that oftentimes the weapons are kind of replaceable to a certain degree. And I think Squirrel White has kind of shown that. If, if Tennessee doesn't score 50, it's not going to be because Jalen Hyatt's not playing. It's going to be because Joe Milton's not throwing the ball well. <laughs> and so I, I think that I, I I get the point. This is a unique console. This is a unique bowl game in the sense of it's one that actually does matter because Tennessee and Clemson are both jockeying for better recruiting positions over who is the better program long term. That's usually not the case. 
it's kind of funny because this could be a reverse of the 2003 Peach Bowl. Dave, you talked about inside information on wanting to be in a bowl game. I'm guessing one of your references is Tennessee 2003 did not want to be in that Peach Bowl against Clemson. No. Was very upset about not going to a BCS Bowl. And just I, I was in Atlanta watching that game, funny enough. And I, I, I never saw defense more confused in my life. And um, and it could be reversed this time where Tennessee's more excited to play in the Orange Bowl just because Clemson is a little disappointed about not being in the playoff. Could be. I, I want to bring uh, our own Caleb Jaro. How am I doing on your name? Better, Caleb Jaro? Close enough. Close getting a little enough. more French every day. That's a little more <laughs> Today, the down and dirty at 30, and uh, Caleb joins us. We're going to talk a little bit of recruiting because Tennessee's about to have a commitment come up, I believe, at least an announcement day. Uh, the down and dirty at 30 is brought to you by our friend Zach England, the best personal injury attorney in Chattanooga. Zach England, Zach's got your back, uh, best in Brock, and Zach can go toe-to-toe with those Huge, monstrous insurance companies that have the scary, scary uh, attorneys, and they can Zach can go right up against him. He's done it. He's won. You may not even have to go to court. You deserve uh, what you got out of that uh, personal injury, and it could be very, very significant. So Zach's got your back. Uh, Zach, a best and Brock. So, uh, Caleb, we got a, a commitment announcement coming up. What can you tell me about this young man who's supposed to announce tomorrow? Yeah, so uh, Deshaun Bishop, a running back out of Carnes High School, a high school I'm pretty familiar with, is announcing his commitment tomorrow. Banned from Beaverland. I just oh yeah. So it looks like it's going to come down to uh, App State in Tennessee for him. And he was uh, originally a Coastal Carolina commitment, but whenever Chadwell left for Liberty, he said he talked to the other coach. It just wasn't the same feel at Coastal, so he had to – he went ahead and decommitted and reopened his commitment. He took an official visit to App State this past weekend, really liked Boone, but he's a hometown kid in Knoxville. So I wouldn't be surprised if Tennessee picks up its second running back in this class. The really only true running back Tennessee has right now is Khalifa Keith, and he's a, also a three-star prospect who was previously committed to Kentucky. So I know they say Cameron Selden, the athlete, he could swing the running back, but I really don't think he would. With Jalen Hyatt and Cedric Tillman on the way out, he'd probably end up as a receiver. Well, Keith is uh, more of a power back, too, right? So he's not the traditional. Yeah, he's a. Yeah, Keith, when he comes in, will probably be more of a power back. Because they really, I mean, if you think about it, they had to put Princeton Fant in on goal line situations this season. There really wasn't a running back they could put in that would get them that one or two yards, you know, on the goal line or like a third and one. So I think Keith will provide that extra push next season. And Bishop, I mean, whenever you look at him on paper, nothing really stands out at you, like 5'10, 200 or so pounds. But he's the second um, – he has the second most yards in Tennessee history. He taught uh, – he was like 100 yards off of Jalen Hurd's single-season rushing record his junior year, back-to-back Mr. Footballs, over 8,000 yards in his career in high school. I mean, really, he's just a gamer. Like, he's got football speed, and he's just hard to break. I don't really – I don't know what it is. He's not really shifty or a Derrick Henry type. He's somewhere in between, but people just can't tackle him. Yeah. Um, sorry, go ahead, Caleb. Yeah, so Caleb, I wanted to actually switch uh, gears on another recruit. Um, I wrote a column yesterday because I'm I'm speculating on something, which is Jordan Phillips entering the transfer portal. He entered it a little late, honestly, relative to when you're supposed to enter. And it, he entered it right after a new defensive lineman, Nathan Robinson, arrived on campus and was practicing with the team last week. 
do you think those are connected? Do you think Nathan Robinson is really underrated with his potential? Because he was only a three-star across the board, and he's only like 270 pounds. Really, I read that, and I wasn't sure. I mean, when you look at Nathan Robinson, he's 6'5", 272, and then Phillips is 6'2", 295. So did the coaching staff tell Phillips, like, hey, we're going to invest in Robinson, tell him gain weight and start him next season? That could have happened. I also look at – you look at the transfer portal, and right now – it's really defense – like, there's no defensive talent in the portal. It's pretty dry. A lot of guys right now, like Tennessee's going after a lot of receivers. and But when you look at the portal, defensively, there's not a lot of guys in it. So I wouldn't be surprised if after the bowl game we do see a lot of guys from other schools enter the portal, specifically defensive guys. And I wouldn't be surprised if another wave of Tennessee guys enter the portal for that same reason. I could see Phillips looking at Robinson and maybe that pushed him over the edge. Or, may I, I mean – it was very – I didn't expect him to go in the portal. Because, I mean, he, he played – what he was redshirting this year and he played three – he got meaningful snaps in the games he played. So, I really – I was surprised by that as well. I could see that. Maybe they told him Robinson would project. I mean, he's the number 16 prospect in Tennessee and he was, he's got a lot of weight he could put on. But that was pretty surprising. Hmm. Well, um, as far as the – you've kept tabs of the transfer portal. You mentioned receivers and I thought the same thing about the, uh, about defensive players. I don't know why, but it just seems light there, which is unfortunate for Tennessee because they could use help there. But um, I'm, I'm curious, some names out there that you see floating around that are worth keeping an eye on They're, they're really hard to project because they seem to just pop out of nowhere, but who are some names that maybe you're keeping an eye on? Well, the transfer portal is interesting because, like, when you look at a high school guy, <clears throat> you can say, like, oh, he loved Knoxville or he loved Neyland. He's You can project him to Tennessee. But a lot of these portal guys are just making business decisions. Like, whenever they we picked up uh, – Tennessee picked up Andre Carrick yesterday from Texas. Like, he's not coming to Tennessee because he wants to play in front of big crowds at Neyland. He had that at Texas. He's coming to Tennessee for playing time. So, wh- that's why the portal is so weird. And then you look at – I think Devontae Walker is a big guy to be watching for Tennessee. He was a wide receiver at Kent State. He led Kent State in yards. He was all Mac this season. He's taking a visit come uh, first of the year, sometime in January is his plan. And then on Wednesday, uh, uh, Johnny uh, Cornelius is announcing his commitment tomorrow. So he's a um, <coughs> excuse me, a Rhode Island offensive tackle, 6'5", 310. So – he took a visit to UT, and it, well, he didn't spend a lot of time in Knoxville. He, I think it was Friday night into Saturday he was in Knoxville, and then Saturday night into Sunday he was in Columbus. So he's getting a lot of visits in in a short amount of time. But I think Tennessee is in a good place to get him as well. The only thing about that is since they picked up Carrick from Texas, it makes me wonder if Cornelius sees that as like, hey, Tennessee just gave up my spot. So that's the only thing with him. But he's a Northeast football player. He wasn't really recruited a lot at a high school just for the simple fact that there's not a lot of dominant colleges in the Northeast to recruit him. So I think he Tennessee has a good shot with him. It's just a matter of does Carrick turn him away or does he still come and compete for a spot? Because I think there's a lot of open spots on that line. I, I want to get the whole committee's um, thoughts here. And let me start with you, uh, Caleb Jaro. trying to do better on it. But now you made me insecure about it. Um, so Caleb, let me start with you. The, the concept of a player opting out, um, when they have an NIL deal, I think you'll start to see less of that. You'll start to see some contracts that say you're obligated to play in, in the bowl game. And I'm just going to throw a, for instance out there, 
you know, Jacob Warren is heavily involved with promoting Craven Wings, for instance. If I'm Craven Wings, I want him in that bowl game. Uh, how might that have an effect, do you think, moving forward? Because the op- the opt-outs, and Jacob Warren hasn't, um, by the way, but the opt-outs to me are, are kind of frustrating for bowl season. I mean, it really depends on how you look at it. A lot of these guys are opting out for NFL money. So do they think that they'll get more money from the NFL than from NIL? Then they might opt out anyway. I, I don't I don't I don't know. Opting out is weird to me. I, I was listening to Bryce Young before I came on this morning, like talking about how he wanted one last game with his brothers and they worked hard all season. And I get that side like I get both sides of the argument. I just don't know where I'd fall because I mean if I if you told me that I was going to be a first round draft pick with uh, money on the table, like I don't know if I would risk it in a orange bowl that really doesn't matter in the long run. Now, now Joe is saying that your name does look like uh, Jaru, like I was saying that uh, when I first met you, but it's it's Jaro. Yeah, pronounce it one last time. Uh, Jaro. Jaro. All right, Calhoun, you practice. Gyro. <laughs> Basically, gyro, but a really, 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 really thick southern accent person said it. Gotcha. Yeah, be sure, exactly. to, be like sure that. to hit that, that like button so we can bring you more uh, recruiting information, transfer portal information as well. And uh, gyro, certainly appreciate it. We will talk to you soon. Look forward to seeing what you have next. And the countdown continues. Awesome. Who's on our countdown today is Five things to know about Tennessee's upcoming signees. That's a good point. Let me find out who's on the list. Today will be Ethan Davis and then Cameron Selden, guy we talked about already. Ethan, I will go ahead and tell you, Ethan Davis is the guy that I'm highest on out of this group. I think he will be a no-name for the first year, maybe year and a half, and then I think his athleticism, from what I've seen, explodes onto the scene by his junior season at the latest. There you go. That's my thoughts. Even That's more than Nico. I like more about him. Even more than Nico. We can do push-ups. I like I like Jordan Matthews personally. He's uh, DB 6'1", like 184. He's already like day one could put in time. And he's a sub-11 guy, so like his speed is just crazy. And, I mean, he had Texas LSU and everybody else calling his name and he came here to Knoxville, so. Good deal. That's my Everybody, guy. Everybody's practicing on your name. Somebody will eventually get it right. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. All right. So, Calhoun, you got all upset about me saying that uh, prospects should adhere to some sort of obligation to play in the bowl game. I mean, you got Bryce Young and you've got big time players who are playing in the bowl game and. Tennessee is one that's not in Jalen Hyde. I really don't count Cedric Tillman because of the injury. That's where I stand on that. But there are other players that are opting out of bowl games. Don't you Don't you owe it to your brothers, your teammates? I mean, okay, we say this whole owing it to the brothers. No one ever calls a coach out when a coach leaves before a bowl game to go take over another school. And what, do the, does the coach not owe it to the brothers and the people that they coach the whole year? I mean, Alex Golish, does he not owe it to Tennessee to coach the bowl game, and which he's not doing? I don't think he does. He got a better opportunity, and he went to South Florida. Um, so I, I, I never buy that because, again, we're not – unless we're going to hold coaches to that standard, I don't think we should have to hold players to that standard. And, I mean, 
particularly when, if you want to say to me that a coach should not, should, if you want to say to me that a coach should coach the team through the bowl game, even if they get another job elsewhere, I'm on board. But are either of you guys saying that? Repeat your question. I said, if you want to say that a coach should be held to that same standard where they should coach through the bowl game, then I could get on board. But if we're not, if we're not going to sit there and say coaches should at least finish out the year when they leave for another job, like Alex Golish leaving for USF to become a head coach before coaching the Orange Bowl, I don't think we can ask the players to do it. Then call them professional athletes. Then stop calling them student athletes. We basically and do players, athletes. Yes. Well, players should also stop. You stop giving them the benefit of the doubt. You are able to publicly, you know, not attack them, but criticize them publicly now. If they are professional athletes, that's what they are. So coaches are professional coaches. They get paid to coach. So if these players are getting paid to play, then the players should play. It's not a coach's job to, in if it's contract, like in his contract that he has to do the bowl game, he has to do the bowl game. Players, on the other hand, coaches don't come out and say, oh, these are my brothers, these are this, these are that. No. You players are the ones that are coming out and saying, these are my brothers, we're we're da- like we're in the trenches together, blah, blah, blah. Wait, I'm piecing out, heading on out. So there's a difference. I mean, the coaches do that, though. The coaches are the ones that preach to the players. Y'all are in the trenches, and I'm leading you guys through the trenches. And again, I, look, I'm with you. For the record, Amanda, I think we both agree. We players, I think once NIL started, it's fair game to publicly attack college football players now. Full stop. You guys get paid. It is perfectly fine for me to call Jeremy Banks super thin-skinned and pathetic for what he did for costing Tennessee a shot at the orange, uh, a shot at the playoff. I have no problem going as way harder at him than I would have gone a year ago or two years ago or whatever. But my thing is. Again, if, if, if you want to say the NIL, this is on the people who give the NIL money, which is if you want them playing in the bowl game, then the companies that give them the NIL money should require that they play in the bowl game. They're, They're not allowed so- to. They're not allowed to. Well, the, the companies that are giving them the money are funded by the fans. That's who they're marketing to. I mean, And they're not allowed to set... Um, not saying restrictions, they're not allowed to, it can't be performance-based. So you can't say you have to play oh, in a bowl game. performance-based with NIL? No. Exactly. Okay. It cannot be. NCAA set that rule. Well, you it can, cannot be performance-based. Couldn't you say participation-based? Yeah. No. Like, okay. That's why the that's why the kid from LSU was able to take all of his NL money and peace out. Single snap. Yes, because you're not allowed to set a performance based, you know, you're not allowed to say you have to play in such and such game because but my thing is like injury and all that stuff. Okay, but even still like look again, like I I would say that like coaches, again, they are paid to coach until they leave. So I would say that coaches, and now some coaches do, to be fair, when Jeremy Pruitt was hired at Tennessee to Jeremy Pruitt's credit, he coached Alabama through the playoff because he's like, I want to stay with Alabama. Um, but then some coaches, when they get hired, they're like, peace. Um, I think of, I mean, and, and, and I don't mind, I don't mind coaches doing that. I'm saying that like, I don't even mind players doing it either. I mean, again, it's, it, 
Can you, you imagine? Can you imagine for a moment whoever signed a contract with Cedric Tillman? Remember, he was in Times Square before the season. Whoever signed that contract, they didn't get much out of that at all. They got nothing. That was not. That's not because Cedric Tillman bailed. That's not his I fault. No, I know, but I'm just. That's part of the problem with this whole thing. And you're buying in such a short term that you know if you go buy Aaron Rodgers ten years ago, you're pretty certain. That And you're going to line it out in a contract of which I, I guarantee you these contracts don't exist right now. But you're going to get three, four, five years out of him at a minimum. Now, he, he could pull the early retirement thing that we've seen guys do. Barry Sanders, Calvin Johnson, um, the quarterback that talks like this for the Colts. Oh, <laughs> Andrew Luck. Luck. Yes, I mean, Andrew Luck could very well pull a quick retirement, but then he doesn't still get that money. So all this money, the way we've got it worked out now is paid up front. And then I hope you have a great year. Y'all are asking the corp. Y'all are asking for regulations to protect the corporations from themselves. The whole point of a business and a corporation is you make an investment and you take that risk. No, I'm That's definitely, capitalism. I'm <laughs> definitely, no, 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 no. I agree. I agree. No. Cause I did that. I, I definitely agree that there should be no regulation on it. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, I don't mind telling the story with, with Jacob Warren and Cooper Mays who are on our uh, YouTube page. I uh, simply asked the question. I said, I'd like somebody who can talk, who's a good person and it's not going to get arrested and is going to play. And that's what I looked for. And certainly one of them could have gotten hurt early in the season. And those Sunday interviews would have been brutal. I mean, it would have been brutal to talk about a guy, how, Hey, you blew your ACL yesterday. You're out for the season. And then I don't know what business-wise thing we would have done moving forward, but I don't want regulations on it. I, I, I do think these – I think a lot of these marketing companies that are representing players and I think a lot of these corporations, Amanda, they got to get some things figured out. They got to get some things on paper because this past year was the wild, wild west. Yeah, if you're going to pay me um, my entire salary for the year in January, then I'll take it. But that, you, I mean, I think you would expect me to play or, I mean, at least to work some somewhat. I mean, that's an investment that a corporation is making in me and my salary, but you don't do that. That's not real life. You don't just get handed as sums of, of money to start out and just, here you go. If if you if you do good, you do good. If you don't, you don't. But you still get paid the same amount. No, that's that's not fair. Like you should, they should be able to say you have to play in such and such game. Like you have to, you have to play this many games because we're investing in you and we're investing in seeing you play. So I don't think that you should be able as a player or as anybody in in you know the free market, you shouldn't be able to just say. You know, here's in some of these players are getting millions. Some of them are getting hundreds of thousands, whatever. Here's this, you know, hundred thousand dollars for this this season. Do what you want. Good luck. That's not okay. That's so like that's yeah. not okay. You should have to have some kind of performance. Like you should have to be able to be like made to go to certain games or play in certain games and bowl games are for fans. And yes, it's corporations that are buying <clears throat> that are basically buying these players, but the corporations are funded 
they're probably fans if we're going to be honest because no no company who is in Knoxville who's not a fan of Tennessee is going to just throw NIL money out there for no reason. Two-minute break. I want to remind you that thanks to video teleconferencing, you can get the absolute best investment advice, and it's GIAplantoday.com, Guardian Investment Advisors, GIAplantoday.com. Back in two minutes, and Luke Winstall will join us with Locked On, and he's going to give us a preview of the Clemson Tigers. So looking forward to that. Hang with me. Two minutes, GIAplantoday.com has risen to the highest level in over 40 years, according to the April 2022 U.S. Inflation Calculator. Will your investments provide you the income you need in retirement? Are you losing purchasing power of your savings due to inflation? Simply stated, if the cost of goods and services are 8% higher and you're only earning 4% in your investments, that money buys you less of what you need. Right now is the time to act. Call Guardian Investment Advisors today. Hey folks, Gary Viles here. I want to personally invite you to North Knoxville's newest sports bar and restaurant. It's Big Orange Phillies, located in Black Oak Center. And yes, folks, it's happening in halls. Big Orange Phillies offers family-friendly environment with homemade meals and the best deli-style subs around. Billiards, darts, jukebox, shuffleboard, and cornhole, and a full bar. We also offer valet parking on weekends and during special events. We even have a covered back patio. It's happening at Big Orange Phillies. We want, we need, and we appreciate your business. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. Dare to compare. This is Al's Disc Barbecue Supply, so come on in and see all the different rubs and sauces we have, plus a complete line of Green Mountain Grills. Don't be overwhelmed. We have plenty of help so you can produce the best barbecue in a maze for your family and friends. Barbecue is America's food, and we'll do what we can to bring you all the best products. We're Al's Nest Barbecue, where Chattanooga goes to grill. Got cataracts? We can fix that. Never miss another moment. With a little help from Drs. Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn at CCTIs.com. Welcome back. Please hit that like button, the thumbs up button, share as well. We greatly appreciate that because we are joined by a very special guest. Let me go ahead and bring him on now. It is Luke Winstall. He's all over the place. You look at his, you look at his Twitter page, and it's ESPN Plus broadcaster, recruiting analyst, Clemson Sports, uh, the Luke Winstall Show. He's he's everywhere. Luke, how do you keep things straight? You're so busy. Thank you, Dave. I appreciate you having me on. And for me, it's just a lot of every week looks different, structure the schedule, and then divide and conquer and go for it. But thankfully, I've got a lot of good support that helps me get it done. There you go. Luke's appearance brought to you in part by ZulBeer.com, X-U-L-Beer.com. ZulBeer is worldwide award-winning craft beer and the official craft beer of Off the Hook Sports. So, 
Luke, the million dollar question when I go into bowl games and I've covered quite a few is always, does this team want to play? Uh, Tennessee was almost in the college football playoff. Uh, Clemson was expected to be a real contender for a national title. So when you look at it from Clemson's perspective, I could make arguments that either team doesn't really want to be in the Orange Bowl. What do you think of Clemson's desire? I would say the the mood gauge for me right now is this is a team that wants to be there. Of course, it's a different situation. There's some things that you have to factor in, like Miles Murphy won't play in the game for Clemson. They have a deep defensive line group, but that is something that will impact it. But in terms of the culture that Coach Sweeney's built, I would have a lot of faith in Clemson wanting to be there. I would say it's not the same that, you know, you get up and it's you go for the ACC championship maybe, but I would say this is a program that at this point is happy to be in the Orange Bowl and all Orange Bowl. So I don't worry about Clemson very much with this. Can, can we go ahead and get this one stupid thing out of the way? Because sure. you, you had Dabo Sweeney say, and then you got Tennessee that's at home flipping burgers. All he meant was is the system is messed up to where some people stay at home, some people have to play a game. That was the most overblown story that maybe I saw all year. I didn't think that was a shot at all. Did you? I don't. And here's the thing that I very quickly learned covering Dabo Sweeney press conferences. He speaks his mind, and we sometimes in the press room joke about, you know, Coach Sweeney will usually take a shower before the press conference, and we joke about how – you know, he's probably in there coming up with his analogies. He always drops one or two or three. And, of course, Dave, we love it because we get to, you know, quote him on Twitter and put out, you know, some funny stuff. But he will have moments like that in pretty much every postgame presser where he says something that makes some analogy. And they don't usually get overblown. But that one, because of it, you know, as you mentioned, being such a hot topic, it's something that, you know, the championship weekend is something that people really debate about. So his voice really got thrown in there, maybe not in the way he intended. So we've seen some comments about, uh, you know, the NIL from Coach Sweeney, and we've seen him, um, people say, walk back some of the comments. Again, I think similar to this, it gets blown out of proportion or people take one sentence and run with it. What do you think his feelings are on the NIL and what is he really trying to say? Yeah, Amanda, it's a good question. So I think we all remember those quote graphics that went around back in 2021 of the if NIL happens, you know, Coach Sweeney maybe is not the guy for that. And you've seen Clemson in terms of recruiting. They've missed some guys. That's one thing I've looked at. They've missed some NIL players. They have had some of those situations where I say, man, are they going to get into it? When are they going to get this figured out? And about mid-season through the fall, all of a sudden, the athletic director, Graham Neff, and then Coach uh, Sweeney as well, have been on the Jumbotron at games saying, hey, here are the NIL collectives by name. And they'd say, dear old Clemson, and a couple of these collectives that fans can support. So the tide is changing. I wouldn't say it's changed. I wouldn't say it has a heavy enough impact in recruiting yet. I've seen the way that Tennessee and some other schools use it. Clemson's not nearly there. But the efforts of starting to get the fans on board, starting to bring the community into that NIL, it's beginning to happen. It's going to become a thing at Clemson. They're not, 
I don't think they're going to stand pat as the, oh, we're the ACC school that doesn't do NIL very much because I think they're finding that they're missing on some recruiting battles now, but they might miss on more in the future if they don't really get the act together in that arena. It's important. So, Luke, um, I've got an interesting take in this uh, all Orange Bowl and why it matters a lot, and I've been big on this, which which is that I've said for a while, I don't think Clemson and Tennessee can exist in the same sphere as powerhouse programs. I don't think I don't think the town's big enough for the two of them. Um, I think if you look at Clemson's rise starting in 2011 under Dabo, a lot of it was based on, you know, recruits that like Taj Boyd that, you know, when Tennessee felt, well, Lane Kiffin turned away and then in-state recruits from Tennessee that the Vols couldn't land because they had fallen off as a program and Clemson got them, Trevor Lawrence and Mario Rogers, T Higgins. I think that makes this bowl game for a consolation game for like a non-playoff game, huge for both teams, because I, 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 and I want to know where you stand on this. If you think they can exist together and if you agree that this is a gigantic game for recruiting purposes since they recruit some of the same areas. I would say, I don't know if I'd use gigantic. I would say it's a big game, Caleb. So you mentioned recruiting territory. When I go a lot of the area that I cover, Georgia, South Carolina, up in Tennessee sometimes, and Alabama is a lot of what I see. And right now Clemson's really – a lot of times had their pick on the in-state. South Carolina has started to really compete for some of the in-state guys. Cam Pringle's a five-star offensive tackle that that recruiting battle will be important based off of, especially the one game we saw when South Carolina beat Clemson. So I've seen how some of these games can impact that kind of thing. So when you take a look at Clemson picking up a lot of the recruits in the Southeast that haven't really gone Bama, haven't gone Georgia, but Clemson gets in the picture for them. I think Tennessee is starting to rise to where in this 23 class, Tennessee's got a very good middle portion of the class. Of course, a couple of good upper guys. Um, but I think this is where they can parlay some of that momentum if they beat Clemson to pulling some more of the Peter Woods types that Clemson got this year or the Vic Burley for borderline five star that Clemson got that Tennessee maybe wasn't quite in the mix for, but a win would help them get into that mix for having a thicker top line part of their recruiting class so i think that's where it can really have the most impact here in the south were, were you at all surprised by the amount of success that uh clemson had in in particular the east tennessee area when you're talking about amari rogers and, and t higgins a lot of those battles came down to the wire and not i thought tennessee would win some of them but it, it seems like clemson there for a while just was sweeping the deck yeah and the thing with Clemson, especially pre-NIL, their recruiting was really a well-oiled machine. You talk about under you know, Venables and Coach Elliott and some of that process where Clemson could just walk in and have their guy. They have this thing where they don't recruit a lot of guys. They offer usually around 100 right now in terms of their classes and really push hard. And especially when Clemson was winning those titles in 16-18 or the six-year playoff run, when they went all out for a guy, they were getting them. They're not seeing that as much right now, but at that point in time, it was one where, you know, my boss would describe it of if Clemson really went swinging for somebody, it was a very high chance they'd pick them up. They just really had that down. And the tides changed a little bit, but I'm not too surprised they're able to go in and win those battles, given the state of the two programs. Yeah, T Tennessee had a guy named Butch Jones. He went swinging and he missed everything. Yeah. <laughs> he I was committed to Butch Jones for a minute. 
What is that? Uh, as you said, T. Higgins was actually committed to Butch Jones for a minute, funny enough. And then he, yeah. Yeah. And then he met him. <laughs> Sorry, Amanda. Go ahead. We see, I mean, obviously Clemson's the ACC. There's a lot of SEC teams that they battle with for recruits and, and whatnot. What is the feeling? And from the SEC people, you know, people think that the SEC here, we're the best conference high and mighty, and some some people are. How does Clemson feel about the SEC? I think Clemson loves the opportunity to play the SEC in a bowl game. I do hear plenty of comments of, you know, the SEC superiority. This is not coming from the team, but people around the press environment, people around these types of environments. You know, when you have the games on a TV inside the press conference area and you're looking up and is that the mighty SEC and all that? Some people will joke about it and ACC media and some people around Clemson, I think, love a shot to say, hey, we can hang with these guys. We want the opportunity to play with these guys. There is some sentiment from fans around the program of if Clemson played in the SEC or if Clemson played in a different conference that they'd be judged by a different standard. So if you lose one game, you wouldn't drop two out of the top ten for example, from four or down to nine from four. Maybe it'd be a shorter drop, like what Tennessee had from one to five. So there's some of that from fans of like, if we were in this different perspective, we think we'd be judged differently just because we're in the ACC. It's a different standard. And some people have trouble with that. My stance on that is, hey, you're in the ACC. You got to win your game. So you got to go, you know, you can't lose more than one to be a top team. And just how it is you have to know you're on that standard and you have to go in your conference or else the college football playoff is probably not going to happen uh kate klubnick will start for clemson and i'm just curious if you were dabo sweeney when would you have benched uh dj uigalele <sighs> yeah it's such a tough question i think there's something that's playing into it that i think are important for y'all to know so if you remember back to July 21st, 22nd area with ACC media days, Dabo Sweeney had this fervent defense of DJ. And no matter what happened during the season, it would just continue. We'd say, well, DJ was good enough for Clemson to win this game, but not good enough to have DJ on the sideline in the fourth quarter cheering on Cade, getting the young guy experience because Clemson's blowing out the opponent that they probably should have been. So, the thing with DJ was he was good enough to win and he was good enough to get Clemson the double digit wins back to back years, but it wasn't good enough of course for Clemson to get to where they thought they could have been this season. So to answer your question, I think what Sweeney did to the point of the South Carolina game was good. Not great. I'm not sure even in hindsight, I would say I would have changed that, but in the South Carolina game in the second half, we're sitting up there and it feels almost hopeless. It was like this offense can't move the ball. They punted back to South Carolina. Defense might get a stop and they were doing pretty well, but South Carolina's punter had an incredible game. So Clemson was getting pinned back inside their 30 pretty much every time. And the ball was not moving. It was borderline pathetic. The offense, I mean, passing for 99 yards in a rivalry game at home uh, and to see Cade not even get a shot in that game. I mean, you could have thrown in the punter at quarterback and gotten the same result in that fourth quarter, if we're being honest. So it to me, I think in the second half, there was some point 
probably in the third quarter where Cade needed to at least get a chance to change the energy and be a change-up because I'm trying to think of uh, maybe you can help me with a situation at Tennessee that's comparable, but it seemed like the offense for Clemson was like a flat tire at times. It was very flat, the energy. But then when Cade would come in, even if he didn't do well, the fans were up and cheering. It seemed like the team would play differently. When Cade got into the ACC championship, the defense, it, it just felt like was playing harder. All of a sudden, they get a turnover. They get stops. Things are rolling, and Clemson's able to roll away with North Carolina. So when you look at the energy change, even just to give Klubnik a shot to do that, to shift, to be a second pitch, as Coach Sweeney said, that should have happened probably in the third quarter against South Carolina. And that might be the difference between Clemson being in the playoff or being the number five team or, you know, the odd man out. And that could have been a big deal, that quarterback management. As far as defensively, we, we came into the season thinking that uh, Clemson's defensive front was going to be one of the best in the nation. And it still was. But there were injuries there. There was a, a personal issue there that they had to deal with as well. So um, as, as far as this defensive front, you mentioned the opt-out and this defense in general. What do you see? Where should Tennessee be concerned? In, in particular, the defensive backs, as you know, Tennessee is going to try to attack. Definitely. So I think it's an interesting matchup for Tennessee. And when you break it down, there's some things like, Maybe a couple of games ago, I would have told you, hey, Nate Wiggins has had a decent season, but he's someone that Tennessee could pass on. He was locked down, made a lot of plays in the ACC championship. So he's coming in a little hotter at corner. I think for Clemson, their DBs are good, not great. That's been a lot of the MO this year of, hey, these guys will make plays. You'll have a pick or two, or you'll have some big breakups. But it's nothing that for Tennessee, I would say, oh, you can't pass on this team. Like, that's that's not a thing. But defensively, I would say Clemson's linebackers are very much improved between Barrett Carter, came from Atlanta, Georgia last year, played a little bit in his first year at Clemson, but this year's had a breakout year. I think nationally, some people are catching on to it. A lot, pe- a lot more people are about to catch on to what Barrett Carter's put together. And Jeremiah Trotter Jr. has been fantastic. The linebacker that is everywhere. Some of his stat lines have been very impressive. So those two guys have really stepped up behind the defensive line. The front seven has improved as a unit. Seems like under defensive coordinator Wes Goodwin, they've come together. So the thing I'd worry about with Clemson is their depth in terms of pass rushing. If you're going to have Joe Milton or your quarterback sit back there and try to Deliver some heat downfield. Just know that Clemson can bring some heat. Brian Brissy looks like he'll play and might even be a candidate to return, given he didn't have a great season. There were the personal issues you mentioned. There were also illnesses involved, injuries involved. So Brissy is one that can really bring the heat up the middle. You don't have Miles Murphy off the edge if you're Clemson right now. So you've got some of your guys like Rook Ohorohoro that – can get in and he's going to be a senior bowl player. KJ Henry, he'll be in the senior bowl. Tyler Davis was an all American. So the ability for Clemson, not just to pin their ears back and go off the edge, like you've seen in the past, but to really bring some heat up the middle, I think is where you start to worry if you're Tennessee and just have to really account for that pass rush coming at you the way that Clemson's able to bring it. Luke, great stuff at Luke Winstel, W-I-N-S-T-E-L. For those on the audio platforms, we appreciate the time. 
and uh, enjoy Miami. I can send you some fun places. Thank you very much, Dave. Appreciate you. Thank you, buddy. It's uh, Luke Winstall again. You can follow him all over the place. He's uh, Clemson Sports at Clemson Sports, the Luke Winstall Show. Um, he's everywhere, so does a great job. ESPN Plus broadcaster as well. How would Dabo Sweeney have done had he been hired as the head coach at Tennessee instead of Clemson? 2009? Uh, 2009. Pretty good. <clears throat> I'm... Let's see. Well, I'm trying to think of the landscape of the SEC East at the time because you had... Urban Meyer Florida. was... Was yeah, Urban Meyer, yeah, but Florida was on – that was the last year with Tebow. They were going downhill. Um, see, I have – because we talked about this with Landry, you know, how Dabo is not a – he's not like Heupel or Saban where he's a guru on one side. He's kind of a CEO where he hires staff members through the X's and O's. And the underrated part of Clemson is, one, he cashed in on Tennessee recruits. But the other part is he instituted the spread, that spread that Tony Elliott runs – or right. Chad Morris. Can't believe I'm saying Chad Morris's name, but he instituted that spread in 2011 when nobody in the ACC was running it. Half a coaching success is is you have a system that no one else is running at the time you introduce it. That's the biggest reason Bruce Pearl was so successful his first few years at Tennessee was because no one was playing up tempo, you know, 40 minutes pressing flex offense at the time and you've seen Bruce Pearl adjust so I don't know that it's, it's difficult. I don't know if he would have done as well because I think a lot of the teams in the SEC were running the spread by that point in 2017. Well, he's, he's got two national titles in his pocket. They've done that well. No. Yes. Because he started dominating the ACC and that allowed him to recruit really well because you know, that's, that's what I mean. Would he, would he have been able to start recruiting the way he was recruiting? Okay. Because well, Tennessee have been as successful. Let me play the other side. Tennessee, I've said this forever. Like when uh, Derek Dooley used to brag about being in the top 25 of the recruiting class. Well, so what? I mean, that's sixth in the SEC. And I think that I think the three of us, and I'm not joking, could recruit a top 30 class at Tennessee uh, because I think they have so much support. So would his recruiting have been better because there's so much support that we're seeing via NIL now? But the fans were there 10 years ago. They just had a terrible coach. The money was there. It was just distributed in a different way. So, Amanda, if, if Dabo Sweeney steps into that, are we talking two national titles? If I put it at one and a half, are you taking the over-under? I'm taking the over. And I'm taking the over because I think Tennessee, him recruiting at Clemson was kind of an uphill battle. Him recruiting at Tennessee, however, wouldn't have been. And so I think that if he had implemented what he did at Clemson, he would be just just as successful, if not more so, in the SEC in in Knoxville. Clemson was nobody before Sweeney got there. I mean, really, like it was, you know, a drought over there. And even though they do play in the ACC, to your point, they did win two national titles. So it's not like, you know... They just beat at, at ACC teams, and there they were. I mean, they won the whole thing twice. So I have to say that I think Dabo would have done just as good, if not better, at Tennessee. I tell you what, that makes it today's tough question because it's tough. 
we do our research. Have you done your research? We're working like heck. Today's tough question. What's the real debate? You sipping my soup, eh, Guadalupe? Exclusively on Off the Hook Sports with Dave Hooker and Amanda LaFrada. You drinking my sake, Kimosabi? Oh, my God. Today's tough question is brought to you by Big Orange Phillies. Big Orange Phillies on Maynardville Pike in North Knoxville. Big Orange Phillies is phenomenal, and they have great food, they have great service. They have cornhole, they've got uh, billiards, they've got darts, and they've got every game you could possibly imagine on TV at Big Orange Phillies. So Amanda's already taken the over. Dabo Sweeney, had he been hired at Clemson, would he have... Tennessee, would he have one and a half championships take the over under Caleb Calhoun? What say you? Going under. I, I because I actually agree he would have recruited better at Tennessee. But you Dave, you brought it up. Recruiting better and the SEC still is not like if you have the top a top fifteen class in the ACC, that's a top that's a top three class in the ACC. If you have a top five class in the SEC, that's barely a top five class in the SEC. Or sorry, top five class nationally. So I think relatively, like, t- in 2011, Tennessee would have played Arkansas, Alabama, and LSU, and those were the three best teams in the country. That was on their schedule. All three teams would have been better than Tennessee, no matter how Davos Swinney recruited that year. And all three teams were better than Tennessee that year. And I... I, I've broken with a lot of people on this. I don't. Th- I think NIL changed it, but I don't think Tennessee was that easy of a place to recruit at relative to other SEC schools in the 2000s and the 2010s. I think the worst thing that happened to Tennessee was Georgia getting relevant again in 2001. Sure. No, I no, I totally agree with you on Georgia, but I just I, I think you could have a good class with anybody, and Butch Jones and Derek Dooley proved that. I think to have a great class, you have to be a great recruiter. So. I want to take the over so bad with Amanda, but I can't, I just think two national titles is a big, big thing. So I'm going to take the under. I think he has a great amount of success. I think you still got Nick Saban that you've got to play each and every year. Then you've got Georgia that you've got to play each and every year. So I think the challenge is much greater. There was one of those playoff runs, and guys, I can't remember which one. Maybe you do, Caleb. But I just looked at that Clemson team, and I thought, <laughs> Man, they are noticeably fresher than the other team they're playing. And I think part of that's going through the ACC. I think part of that is being able to sit your guys. Tennessee was in that position to be able to sit their guys at halftime for a lot of the games this year. But that's not the usual in the SEC, but it's the usual at Clemson. So I wonder how much that helps to keep guys fresh long term. Caleb, I think it helps a lot. I, I agree it helps. And we also have to remember that Davos didn't start recruiting Dabo level until 2015 after Clemson had already been an 11-win team regularly in the ACC. They would not have been an 11-win team regularly in the SEC. Wouldn't have happened. Would have been impossible. At t- For the record, no coach could have done it at Tennessee from about 20, 2009 to 2014. It would have been impossible. Go ahead and click that thumbs up button because I got a feeling you're going to like what I'm about to say. And I got a feeling that uh, a lot of Tennessee fans will. I see a lot of similarities between Dabo Sweeney and Josh Heupel. The one glaring one is that clearly Heupel is the offensive mind. Okay. Dabo Sweeney was not the offensive mind nor the defensive mind. He was neither. He 
like you said, was a CEO. But I think there is an element of uh, belief in a team, a belief in a coach, uh, whether or not it's faith or whatever it happens to be. I think they, they inspired that uh, as leaders, as people. And the other thing is not this exact same way, but I think Tennessee is ahead of the curve offensively while you said, and you're correct, Clemson's ahead of the curve. So am I stretching it to say there's a bit of a comparison there, Amanda? I think you're stretching it. That's I'm fine. sorry. You I think you're stretching that. it. I think I see Hypel as more of a Saban-esque type where he is uh, very, very proficient on one side of the ball. Um, and he, I mean, you know that no matter what is happening offensively, Hypel's really the guy that's that's – making the making the calls. Saban's the guy at Alabama defensively that's making the calls. I think <clears throat> Sweeney is a CEO type. I think he is more of a, I don't want to say salesman, but almost a salesman. He seems like an honest salesman, for lack of a better term. Um, Hypel's not like that at all. I think what you see is what you get with Hypel. He's very much a player's coach. And apparently Sweeney is as well, but I feel like it's more of Hypel knows what's going on on the field, the X's and O's, the the play calling. And Sweeney's more of behind the scenes, like locker room type stuff. Well, would you give me at least, though, that they're players, coaches, and they're ahead of the curve on one side of the ball? How about those two similarities? Players, coaches, yes. Ahead of the curve, one side of the ball, not really just because of the differences in who they play and where they play. All right, Caleb, am I just dumb? <clears throat> I 1,000% agree. I, I, yeah, I 1,000% agree with Amanda on this in the sense of I didn't even find – again, he's ahead of the curve relative to the conference he's in. Um, and so that Sweeney. was Sweeney. Yes. Okay, Sweeney. Yeah. I do agree with the players. I think there was a time and place where Dabo was the player's coach. You're right. NIL kind of changed things a little bit, but pre-NIL, Dabo was the player's coach. He always supported his players transferring wherever they wanted to go. If they weren't going to play at Clemson, he just seemed much more fair to them. Um, I think one of the moments that really stood out to me that I gave him a lot of credit for is when the whole standing kneeling for the national anthem came out, you, you could tell that Dabo didn't agree with kneeling for the national anthem. But you could also tell he wasn't going to character assassinate. He wanted to have a discussion about it. And I think players who may have even disagreed with him respected him because he was honest about where he came from and he wasn't going to character assassinate people who came from a different position. And I think I, I remember that in 2016 and I gave him a lot of credit for that. Um, I think now with, NI, with post-NIL, I think Josh Heupel has taken the Sweeney title because you see Josh Heupel just super defensive of a player's right to do whatever is best for them. And I think that's I think that's going to resonate with a lot of recruits and players who see Heupel and say, this guy really cares about me and my future above all else. I think they're both players, coaches. I agree. I think we can agree on that, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I just said I think Heupel took the mantle post-NIL because Sweeney, as we respect the honesty, but may have unfortunately said some things that might cost him with some recruits nowadays. <laughs> Uh, real estate needs go to andymasonrealestate.com andymasonrealestate.com don't cost yourself thousands or tens of thousands with a bad real estate transaction they have over 40 years of experience at andymasonrealestate.com 
you will love them. And they have two business principles, best price, best service. How about that? Pretty simple. Two minutes in this day in sports history, and it's a doozy off those sports. Sun, sand, and salt water, the beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah. Hey folks, Gary Viles here, Viles Automotive on Callahan Drive. I've been selling cars here in East Tennessee for 27 years. In that time, I've come to realize it's not about the car. It's about you, the customer. So I'm here to take care of you just like family. Good credit, bad credit, you name it, we can get you taken care of. If we don't have it, we can find it for you. We go across the country to get any vehicle that you want. And here at Viles Automotive, we don't believe in fake numbers. We just give you great deals. And as always, we want, we need, and we appreciate your business. Do you want to own the more that owns every job? Then get to Vasti Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vasti, here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero Turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. At Vasti's, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Vasti Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive. This is Steve Rain. I own the Midnight Oil and Michelin Tire Direct service station here in Ottawa. It's not a fancy place, never has been, but it's a clean place with clean restrooms and good folks who work here. We sell gas, fix cars, nothing glamorous, but we love what we do and we're going to keep doing it for a long time to come. There's not many real service stations left and that's a shame. We're the guys just like the guys back in your hometown. We'll fix your tire, change your oil, and put a new set of Michelins on your car. If you want a Twinkie, you'll just have to keep on going. Thanks for the business. This day in sports history. Putting things in perspective. Exclusively on Off the Hook Sports with Dave Hooker. You're so old. When you were a kid, rainbows were black and white. And Amanda LaFrada. New kids on the block just called. They wanted you as a backup dancer. Here we go. This day in sports history and this day in Tennessee sports history. We get right to it. And this is a a while ago. Okay. And I want to thank Brittany for doing such a great job of putting this together. December the 20th, 1978. Tennessee's basketball team took the most expensive trip in school history to that point, traveling to Santa Clara, California, and Honolulu for a holiday tournament. And that's an expensive trip. How much must that have been in today's dollars? That's a 50 grand trip. Easy, right? Like total? Yeah, if you talk about 12 players... Uh, support staff, let's throw and coaches. Let's make it 25 for a good round number. Do some math for me. You're smarter than me, Amanda. I think it's 25,000. You're going to go with 1,000 per person? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Planes. I mean, I'm just saying back then in 1978. Oh, Right that's... now. I was talking now. Now. Oh, God, right now? Probably 100 grand now. Yeah, Smoky Mountain Red said 150 grand. I was about to ask for your travel agent. 
you're going to be able to pull that. No, one. I thought you meant in 1978. How much would it have cost them? And I was like, probably not 50 grand. You know why that's so noteworthy is because if you think about it, Tennessee didn't care anything at all about basketball for the majority of those years. The Ernie and Bernie thing just kind of happened. That was great. Ray Mears was awesome. But it just kind of happened. They didn't really start funneling money into the basketball program program until when, Caleb? I mean, you would know more about it than me, but like I know in – 97 and 2001 they settled on hires with jerry green and buzz peterson and those were the most ultra settling hires so i don't think well they were supposed to get kevin stallings and the story i was told is that they were in kevin stallings house who was a good coach and had great success good success at vanderbilt and doug dickey thought it would be a good idea to take a phone call from jerry green so he stepped into the bedroom of Stallings house and Mrs. Stallings eavesdropped and listened to it and told Mr. Stallings. And so when Doug Dickey comes back out, he was asked to leave the premises immediately. Wow. Okay. Caleb, you you might remember this. Kevin Stallings was on the front page of the Knoxville News Sentinel as the next head coach of Tennessee basketball. Sorry, this was 1997. I was yeah, and that, that. that blew up before that. That blew up after that. The funny thing about Tennessee basketball that's so bizarre that some people I don't think understand is I graduated high school in 92, so I was on campus during the mid-90s. There were times that you did not know that there was a basketball game going on and you were on campus. It was su- that it was just such a nothing. And then they hired Jerry Green, and what got everybody excited was Tony Harris. That was a huge monster get. And then they had the midnight madness thing where they could officially practice at midnight. You know how they had that Duke and stuff? And Mm -hmm. uh, Tony Harris sprained his heel on his first dunk. That got, funny enough, I know the Tony Harris hire because I had season ticket. My first foray into sports, my grandfather had season tickets to Memphis Tiger basketball games at the time at the Pyramid Arena. I don't know if you guys know that remember that arena. Um, in oh, Memphis. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, they turned um, it into a uh, turned it into a Bass Pro Shop. Bass, it's a um, biggest triangle Bass Pro Shop you've ever seen. Yes, and so I would go, and that got Larry Finch fired more than anything else was letting Tony Harris get out of. He lost Todd Day to Arkansas. You probably remember Todd Day, I Dave. Todd Day. And then he lost Tony Harris to Tennessee, and that effectively got him fired, which was. For people who don't know about Memphis Tigers, firing Larry Finch was as brutal as when Tennessee had to fire Johnny Majors. That's like that's fi- that was firing a favorite son in every way, shape, and form. And um, so, yeah, losing Tony Harris to Tennessee was the final straw for Larry Finch. Oh gosh, and I forgot about Donnie Tyndall. Smoky Mountain Red brought up Donnie Tyndall. He was a good coach. He just had issues, but he was a Donnie Tyndall's a brilliant coach. What did he do again? I can't even. remember. I, I don't want to say I don't want to say something that'll like get us sued, but there was academic fraud issues at Southern Miss. I can just say that much. Oh, that's right. Yes. And but but not at North Carolina. Tyndall, wait, what? Oh, no, oh. Just remember that whole academic North fraud? Carolina was smart enough. To, they found a way to skirt the rule. I mean, I, I, yeah. I think I think that was actually that shows how smart they are to figure that out to skirt the rule. <laughs> 
We created a fake class, but it wasn't just, yes, it wasn't just for the basketball players. Any student could enroll in it, so they didn't get in trouble for it. Did y'all see the essay that was written on Rosa Parks from that fake North Carolina class? It was like, it was hilarious. Like, the kid clearly had no idea who Rosa Parks was and somehow got into college not knowing who Rosa Parks was. (laughs) Well, um, nowadays they've got the um, they've got these bots, these programs that are write the actual paper for you. My son's telling me about them, and that they pass through, and they're not considered plagiarism. No, that they, they they are original stories, but you're paying a computer software program to write it for you. But they're originals. Instead Every job's going to be automated away in twenty years, guys. Yeah, and I mean, I used to write papers for people in high school for cash, and now that's gone. Um, speaking of the, do you know who, who somebody is? Um, we uh, while we were on vacation celebrating our anniversary last week, uh, bumped into this uh, uh, couple waiting for a table, and um, we were just they were obviously from Europe, strong accent, a lot of people from all over the place, and so they talked about uh, I asked where do you like to travel there and mention a couple of places? And I said, Oh yeah, Amsterdam's a place I'd like to go. I've heard it's beautiful. And they said, don't go to the Anne Frank museum. It's just a tourist trap. I said you wait in line forever. But the funniest part was, this is how stupid that Europeans think we are. Is they said, do you know who Anne Frank is? Oh my gosh. We all had to read her diary. Like we all read her diary. everybody had to read it. It was a good thing. They were dead serious. Wait, but my question is, why is the museum in Amsterdam? She's from Frankfurt. Like, why? I'm I'm sorry. I'm just throwing off why the museum would be in Amsterdam. I don't know. I don't know. Um, No, it doesn't. So do you guys have gambling picks for any bowl games uh, today that are played all by themselves? I see you looking through it, by the way. Brought to you by Viles Automotive Group. Viles Automotive Group is on Callahan. It's the center of car buying, and that's where you need to be for uh, people that appreciate your business. They want, they need, and appreciate your business. They're phenomenal at Viles Automotive Group. Uh, yes, Caleb, is there some meaningless bowl game that you're excited about? Well, there's we got two today. Um, we've got Eastern Michigan and San Jose State. Uh, both Amanda and I have San Jose State minus three and a half. I don't know if that's the same line now i i i put in our post dave i have to let people know because it's from another job i found out that um if you don't let people know that all lines are subject to change in real time there will be somebody that will act like you were swindled when you told them what the line was yes that is true. <laughs> and so um you shouldn't be betting if that's the case yeah if you don't Save know that money. lines exactly if you don't know that lines change in real time guys i can't help you hey guys but, in all honesty what happens to these bowl games a year from now, two years from now, the transfer portal, I'm sorry, it's more interesting. It involves the bigger teams. The college football playoff has taken away some of the excitement from these bowl games. Like I said, a bowl game started at 3 o'clock on a Monday. For goodness sake, they're not even getting in primetime slots. Are, are bowl games going to be a real thing in 10 years, or are they just going to be propped up? You know, we're going to the 12-team playoff. I'm not sure how how many game in a 12 team playoffs. That's how many games? It'd be 11 games, I think, right? Or 13 games? Is it 13? Well, it you have four, four people get a buy, 
So you'd have first weekend. It's eleven games. It's eleven games. Eleven. <coughs> so is there enough hunger for college football? I'm not talking about among us, but the general populace to be excited to see a lot of these bowl games. Yes. After, after the top thirteen. Do you think there is? With sports betting being legal, yes. I, I think that there definitely is enough interest. And what I think is going to happen is they're going to turn some of these bowl games into the playoff games. So instead of it being like the Orange Bowl, the Orange Bowl will be like the, well, they, you know. They're ver- in that, but I'm, I'm talking about yes. outside of those games. Yes. Then there will still be because college, I mean, <clears throat> sports betting is such a big deal now and it's getting legalized everywhere. So, yes, I mean, there's still money to be made. As long as there's money to be made, we'll still be having these games. I mean, the NIT still makes money in basketball. I don't know who watches the NIT, but it, it's it's still a revenue generator. So Sports you know. betting watches the NIT. <laughs> That's very true. Yes, yeah, sports betting probably does. And if you're betting on the NIT, you need to dial a 1-800 number right now. <laughs> I mean... Isn't that a problem if you're betting on the NIT? No, Sometimes some of those, those are the best. Yeah. Yeah. Those are the best ones to bet on usually. Um, so because a lot of times uh, Vegas doesn't. The best is actually FCS teams because Vegas. This is why they stopped doing lines on FCS. Vegas doesn't get the same inside information on FCS teams that they do FBS teams. So if you know, if you know Division II football well, like if you follow it, you can game the hell out of Vegas if there's a if there's a sports book that does um, FCS. Are you talking about yourself, Amanda? No, 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 no. I you just I have a yourself. thought. I have oh, a thought. Okay. <laughs> yes. Speaking of sports betting, did you see the Washington game with the referee? Did you see it? Did you I see a, it? Yes, I had a Maryland had an odds boost, so I had a parlay, and um, I had two of three. The only one I needed to hit was for Washington to win, and that didn't happen because of the worst non-call. That was worse than the non-call on Alma Kamara in the NFC Championship game a few years ago. No, I thought it was the worst call. He told the wide receiver that he was on – the referee told the wide receiver that he was on the right line. And, I mean, he even looked to the – why, the referee the referee was like, yeah, you're good. And the moment the play started, the flag went up, and mm-hmm. he was a false start. Oh, you're and no, I'm, was, talking about, I'm talking about the play where there was a pat, there was a clear pass interference two plays later that wasn't called. Which sorry. I think we need to start. I, I don't. I think NFL officials still are underpaid. I'm going to be honest. I think we need to pay them better, and then they need to have to start doing their own press conferences after games on why they made calls. You know. I feel like we should be able to see their bank accounts. Yes. I, I, I thought it should be a full-time job for a long time. Um, and that's primarily <clears throat> two reasons to, to be in shape. And the other is not to put yourself in a situation with your other business where you need extra income. Exactly. And so, that, this is, I, I, I can't there's believe there's underhanded money. From Vegas to, to officials, I'm going to say that. Or I've thought that for the longest time. Well, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I will give you this, man. I thought of you. I watched that Tim Donaghy uh, while I was on vacation, that documentary. And 
it made me think of you because you've said before that officials can can be a little bit corrupt and uh ba- basically the the feeling i got from you is egotistical at the very least right like they control it and and i officiated and i wasn't like that but i'm not everybody but so i watched that thing tim donaghy actually tried to convince you at the end of it that he didn't bet for his team that he didn't actually affect an outcome when the whole 90-minute documentary was about him admitting that he affected it, but at the end of it, he tried to change your mind. And it was just so egotistical. I was like, I, I, I'm i not... After watching that documentary, I'm on the Amanda side. That, yes, there could be wide corruption of officials. And yes, I there's a, there's a reason baseball's rule exists that has Pete Rose banned for life, however you feel about it. This is their number one thing they say. You you can you can cross your little PED line and cheating and things like that, but if you bet on the sport, you're out because baseball was almost destroyed by the Black Sox scandal in 1919. And even when like and, and even when Pete Rose was like I was betting on my team to win every night, so it doesn't matter. No, it still does matter because you're skewing the lines if you're choosing not to bet one day and you might put in a reliever that you wouldn't put in for this particular game because you have a lot of money. That to me yeah. makes baseball the, the most egregious, even if you're betting on your team. If you put a reliever out there in June when you know you really need him in late August, then you are putting wear and tear on his arm and you don't get it later, but you need to win that bet. Exactly. That's always been the, the biggest issue. Baseball more than anything. I mean, you're not going to play Michael Jordan or not because of a bet. You're going to play. Right. <laughs> but with baseball, that's been the one that bothers me the most. I know. I'm so, just, I'm we all, so we all agree that Pete Rose should be banned forever. Yes. I, I don't. But And actually, I think Calvin Ridley should too. Sorry. Whoa. I don't think you should. I think betting on the sport you play is the most egregious crime you can commit in a sport. I'm but very, we have officials that throw games. If they do and they get caught, they should be banned for life. They sh- and they should go to prison, honestly. But like, um, ooh, Caleb's like, on one today. I am. Donaghy was supposed to go to prison for fifteen years, and he turned on everybody that crossed his path. He yeah, like, he did it. He did it. He did it. He did it. I didn't. For the record, I think Michael Jordan should have been banned after nineteen ninety four, but the NBA couldn't afford to do that because they needed him. But we all agree Michael Jordan was gambling on basketball, right? Yeah, I think he was banned. I don't know. Yeah, this this was a secret ban for a year. I've always thought that. Yeah, he should have been banned for life. If you bet on the sports you play while you're playing it, you should never be allowed back in the sport. That is the most history major here. Go read about how the Black Sox scandal nearly destroyed baseball, guys. Just read about it. It was really, really, really bad. I have more. Yes. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm more concerned about the officiating. I would like to see, and this is how I feel about Congress. I would like to see your bank records. I want to know why you started out, you know, making a hundred thousand dollars and now you got millions. I want to know all that stuff. That's how I feel about Congress members. That's how I feel about officials. Show it. You should be able, you should have to show it all. Just say. No, I'm with you on that. I mean, I'm with you on banning. I mean, I'm with you on going hardcore after officials on that. It's, um, I mean, it's yeah, it, but and there we needs... never will because Vegas always wins. There's a reason Vegas always wins. Also, 
pay them, pay the officials. You're like we said, make them full time employees and pay them really, really well to where they have no incentive to start doing shady. They have less incentive. There will still be some corruption, but they'll have less incentive to do shady stuff like this. Still gonna take a two hundred thousand dollar payout by some, you know, big time better. But if you're making a hundred fifty thousand dollars salary on a year on a yearly basis, are you going to risk a lifetime ban from the sport you're refing to do it? Well, how many people have been found out doing it? Do you know how it started with the Tim Donaghy thing? Real quick, it started with a books a bookmaker came to him and said, "I will give you this amount of money to pick winners." So I'm not even counting it. It doesn't bet against you. You don't lose this money if you pick a loser, but you can just look at the the officials and the personalities involved, a lot of times officials had agendas. Said so you get this much money if you pick a winner. You guess how much he got? A winner. How much? Millions of dollars are moving around. Guess how much he got? How much? Two grand. Oh my gosh. And NBA officials are paid well. I think they're unionized. He ended up doing it for about 40 games. So at best, he came away with 80 grand, and there were tens of millions of dollars moving around. Because once they see trends, it goes up the chain and goes to bigger organized crime families. And that's exactly how it happened. It will and- never change either. That's the, that's the thing. It's the reason Congress will never change. It's the reason why officiating will never change, the money and all that stuff it will never change because the people who control it appear are making the big money. And that's, that's the thing. These other people are just pawns. I mean, well, in Congress, Supreme Court's basically legalized bribery because they sit there and say, you can take however much money you need to run your elections. So that's, but like. Well, and, and organized crime families have lobbyists too. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I just want to go on the record that I am not suicidal I did not do it. I'm not any of that. So if I wind up dead from this conversation, <laughs> I did not do it. Okay. There's not Fair enough. And she is with child, which she announced Friday without me, which kind of hurts my feelings. But Why does that hurt your feelings? Many reasons. But anyway. Um, She's not your child. Do we know if it's a boy or a girl yet? I can't say. Can't, you should announce that right now. No, I can't. My family doesn't even know. All right, here we go. Is Amanda having a boy or girl hit the thumbs up button? (laughs) And she will tell you. Be sure and share. Smoky Mountain Red says, congratulations, Amanda. All right, if you you. can tell me if it's a boy or a girl, you win a hooker (laughs) t-shirt. what you get all right so amanda and her family or whoever knows does not qualify but dean says thumbs up so all right first to guess no i'm not telling you if it's a boy or a girl what if we up it and add no no we'll do a we'll do a a a barbecue prize pack from Alice Nest Barbecue. For what? For you to admit for our customers. No, you're not. I'm not taking a, an Alice Nest prize pack to tell you if it's a boy or a girl. Thank you, Sam. No, you don't get it. The The winner gets it. You have. Then to what's get- the point for okay. me? So the first one 
Also, I'll hook you up with some craft treats where you've got to try crafttreats.com. And in all seriousness, it'll help with your dog's digestive, you, uh, digestive issues and also anxiety, which can be bad for my dog, especially around the holidays. So go to crafttreats.com, crafttreats.com, use the promo code off the hook and get 20% off. So tell me, is Amanda having a boy or a girl and you can win a triple pack prize back? No one's going to know. So even if I know, you don't know. Well, you so have no, to confirm it. I'm not going to confirm it. Smoky Mountain Red said it will give your dogs the munchies as well. Yes, it uses CBD cannab cannabinoid oils to also help with your dog's arthritis, which has been bad for my dog. So boy or girl on the message board, here we go. Can I do message board bingo? Because I got one right now. Let's do I'm it. I'm not telling you. Let's do it. Girl. Let's do it. On the LaFrada message board, I'm so excited to have a girl. Smoky Mountain Red wins. She is having a baby. He wins. Okay. There's not a LaFrada message board, unfortunately, but there should be one. All right. What do we got, Amanda? Dabo is right. F the portal and NIL has killed college football overnight. Okay, what? We would think Clemson automatically, but it's not going to be Clemson, is it? Why would you say it's not going to be Clemson, is it? And ask me. Is that your guess, Dave? You I don't jump do ahead of everybody. I don't do this anymore. This is Caleb's deal. Amanda, is it SEC? It is, and Smoky Mountain Red beat you to it. Ah, Smoky Mountain Red. Congratulations. Amanda LaFraud is having a little girl, so that's awesome. What? Isn't that what? Huh? He said South Carolina. Oh, sorry. Well, when are you going to announce it? Well, I'm telling my family at Christmas, so... All right, special show Christmas. Wait, morning. who is South Carolina to talk? They would have gone like four and eight without Spencer Rattler going off the last two weeks of the year. So sorry, just I, just getting back to their message boards. They they have no room Thank to complain about the, about the transfer portal. That's why it was a good one. That yeah. that is why it was a good one. Very very well played, Amanda. Thank you. She's pretty smart, little girl. Right. Feel it, sense it. Very Do you good. have a guess, Caleb, on which it is, a boy or a girl? I am staying completely quiet on this. Caleb. <laughs> um, Smoky Mountain Red says South Carolina is on a high and I hate it. It's not going to last long. I promise you that. Have a fantastic day, everyone. We'll be with you at 8.30 tomorrow. For Caleb Calhoun, Amanda LaFraud, I'm Dave Hooker, Off the Hook Sports. Check out offthehooksports.com for the latest. A column about Nico coming up and Caleb continues to churn out the great stuff, and Caleb Jaro does a great job of uh, keeping up with recruiting for us, and we certainly appreciate that as the team continues to grow. This has been a presentation of Off the Sports. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. 
coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.